Fucking come on. Let's go, mate. How are you? It's Aiden Jones. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 5th of September, 2023. Mate, I got some fucking stories this week. Let me tell you. Let me adjust the mic levels. Man, I am currently <coughs> at the house of my biological father, Fernando, in Vienna. In Europe, in Austria, and uh, I did some fucking stuff this week, man. You know, it's been four years since I was last here. Last time I was here, I also podcasted about it, and it was one of the most listened to episodes. It wasn't that nice. That was lovely. I guess it's a moment to reflect on how much I've done and learned and whatever. Oh, got a nice tea. It's uh, quarter to one a.m. Wednesday as I record this, and um, the last—I mean, I've got so many stories I want to tell. I've got an idea for like a set piece that I want to do in comedy using what's happened in the last couple of days. But I guess I'll just tell the stories separately. Maybe I'll start with what I did this morning, and then I think what I'm going to do as I just kind of structure this podcast in my head and how I'm going to tell these stories. I think what I might do is I might close on the thing that I said to Fernando this morning. Basically what I've been, the last, like the last time I was here, um, I didn't really know what I was doing. I had no plan. I was just coming and like, you know, that was all that I could do really. I had no idea of like what I wanted to get out of it or why I was coming other than that I just wanted to meet my biological father. And um, so, you know, I came here and I met him. And I think that's a pattern in my life is I just do stuff, right? And that's fine. That's fine. I've got, I don't have a problem with that. Um, I just, I do things and then I think later about how I felt when I did them and kind of consider the emotional ramifications and then I act afterwards you know but i'm i'm more like that rather than consider first and then act i don't know why i don't know why i'm not going to try and rationalize it that's just how i am so when i came here last time as much as i tried i really did try to prepare myself but there was nothing that could prepare me for what i was walking into and i was emotional I was also newly sober. I was like three months sober. And um, yeah, I just, I came in here and I felt a lot of stuff and I didn't know how to deal with it. And so I just kind of froze up emotionally and didn't say much, felt uncomfortable a lot of the time, felt resentful towards him. <clears throat> and um, and then I, ca- I, I left and I went home and I thought about how I'd felt and I've done four years of therapy. It's been four years, you know, I wrote a show about it. I toured that show. I didn't actually tour it. That's what I've been talking about the last few months. I've been saying I toured it. (laughs) I didn't tour it. I made no money off it. (laughs) I I wrote a great show. (laughs) And then because of where I was at at the time, I didn't know how to mobilize that into making any kind of money. (laughs) What a fuckhead. 
But anyway, the point is I wrote a show about it and then there was lockdown and then I just thought about it for a year. I thought about the show and I thought about what I wanted to say with the show and then I came back in 2021 and I had a fantastic season, you know, a bit of a breakout year comedically and I kept going to therapy and I found a therapist that I love and we've been working together for a few years and I've spoken about Fernando and I've spoken about my life and all my patterns and the way that I... I avoid saying difficult things to people when uh, the relationship contains contradictory emotions because it, it feels difficult to have two different, seemingly different and con- like contradictory emotions about someone at the same time. <clears throat> and I've had the, all of that in mind now. And so I decided I'm going to come back, you know, even just a, on a whim a little bit. I was like, you know what? I want to see that guy again. And I feel like I've, I've got some stuff to say to him. In all of these years, I've noticed that the way that I felt while I was here, and like every time I talk about it, people still ask me, what happened? How did it go? And the answer that I've kind of arrived on is the way it went was I didn't say anything. I didn't do anything because I was just overwhelmed with feeling and I my tendency is to uh, rather than speak openly in in the moment that I'm feeling something I like to take it away and process it on my own so that you know to avoid the uncertainty of letting those feelings out in the moment because that feels really scary to me so um so I didn't say anything to him and then as I've told people that I realized well fuck what have I got to say to him maybe I've got some stuff to say to him and and he's here and he's you know he's a good guy so let me say it to him so um in the last few days I've actually about a week ago I drafted something and it was as soon as I just I bought you know what I did I went to the Picasso Museum in Paris I was in Paris last week flew into Paris on Tuesday landed and uh, went to my friend's place she so kindly and graciously allowed me to stay at her place and we only shared the place for one day the rest of the time I had it to myself wonderful in the 17th arrondissement in Paris and uh so I was just in Paris you know I was just having a nice time in Paris I was hanging out with her I was hanging out with a few other friends and in the days I resolved to not just go there and work to actually enjoy Paris and so on the Wednesday I went to on the Wednesday on the Thursday I went to, on the Tuesday night when I flew in, we went and saw some fucking jazz and it was sick. I can't even remember. Maybe I spoke about that already. When was the last podcast? When did I do the last podcast? Did I do it on the fucking Wednesday morning? This is not professional at all. I mean, (laughs) remember when I did podcast bingo and it's like, what things do I say often? Maybe one of the things that I say often is (laughs) commenting on the lack of professionality. (laughs) <laughs> of the podcast uh, anyway <clears throat> wednesday uh i recorded this oh that's right i recorded in glasgow airport that's right yeah blah 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 whatever so um <laughs> that's another bingo <laughs> aiden comments on the professionality of the podcast or lack thereof aiden feels insecure aiden attacks the audience aiden attacks himself aiden divulges personal information a bit of foreshadowing there so 
Oh, good tea, mate. Great fucking tea. So, went to the Picasso Museum and I, uh, the, the, only half the museum was open, which was a bit of a bummer. I went to this other museum, which was really cool, actually, a bit of a modern art kind of museum. I don't remember what it was called, um, but it was good shit. And then I went to Picasso, but half of it was closed because they're setting up a new exhibit, so you could only see a few floors. So I saw all of it that was available, and that was great. Picasso, I mean, I don't know if you guys know this, pretty good, actually. <laughs> Incredible. Oh, the stuff that I really liked, you know what, maybe I'll put it up on the pod page. There are a few images that he did. They're just crayon drawings of a woman or just the female form, you know. Uh, There's four and they're so abstracted, but you can also tell in each instance that it's a woman. And also the fact that he emphasizes the breasts in each of the four tells you something about him and the way that he sees the world. I mean, it's just, it's incredible stuff. Yeah. You know, this is, this is what I want to get out of art and what I want to create out of art. Something that's compelling, that's interesting, that's new, and that tells you something about the person who created it. I'll put those up. There's four of them. They're just drawings of women, but they're not. They're just straight. They're just composed of straight lines, like 20 lines in each of like three or four different colors of crayon. But somehow it's like, yeah, each of those is a woman. It's crazy, man. It's fucking crazy. So anyway, loved Picasso. Wanted to get myself a little souvenir, which I don't know if the French have a word for. And uh, I got some postcards. I wrote postcards to some friends and family. Uh, one of which I forgot to put a stamp on. Um, so those people will be getting their postcard delivered to them in person. <laughs> I get back to goddamn fucking Australia because for some reason at the French post office, they, the lady was, I was like, can I get an envelope? She was like, nah, you can't get them. I didn't really, we were speaking French and I didn't really understand what she said, but it, it came across as you can't get envelopes at the French post office. I was like, what? But. I was excited that we were speaking French and so I wasn't going to break it and speak English. So I just was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> like that was, you know how hard it is to be assertive when you're not speaking your own language? <laughs> you just get fucking walked all over. No, we don't. This is the post office. Oh yeah, do you do envelopes? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I guess I'll just go fuck myself. <laughs> That's a good premise for a bit. It's easy, It's hard, hard to be assertive in second language. It's a great premise for a bit. Oh man, what was that fucking premise that I had for a bit that I figured out on the podcast a few months ago? I don't remember any <clears throat> stand-up that I was doing i got to just go through my old fucking shit and find that. There was a great premise for a bit that I had that I can't remember what it was. Or was it the disabled job thing? Was it... Oh, fucking, I can't remember. I'm going to have to check. I can't remember any of the stand-up that I was doing before this trip because I had July off. I'm like, what bits do I do again? What fucking... Who... What's good about me? Anyway, we're getting off track. So I was at the Picasso joint and uh, I got a few postcards... 
And I also bought a little notebook. Um, outside of my regular oeuvre, I like to have an A4 hardback. But I thought, you know what, let me mix it up a little. And there's these nice Picasso notebooks. And I picked one with a with a with one of his paintings that I liked. And uh, I went to a cafe and I sat down with it. And I was like, what am I going to write in this notebook? And I thought, I know what I've been meaning to write <coughs> is the shit that I want to say to Fernando when I get to Vienna. Because I know i got to say something to him. And I'd spoken about it. To, I mean, I, I just have been speaking about it, you know, just kind of telling people, oh, yeah, and by the way, I'm going to go see my biological dad again, and that'll be nice. So um, I'd started thinking about, well, fuck, I'm going in, and I've had all of this, you know, work that I've been doing on myself and everything, and I guess I do want to say something to him because I know I have something to say to him, and I would like that thing to be said rather than to go unsaid. And if I'm going to say it, I'm not just going to riff and wing it. i got to fucking, you know figure out what it is and say it to him. And as soon as I put pen to paper, it just poured out of me, man. I knew exactly what I wanted to say. And, um, I, uh, should I read it out now? Maybe I'll read it out now. It feels natural to read it out now. I've got another story. I've got another story that I want to tell you guys. Um, and maybe I'll close with this thing. Yeah. Okay. So, I wrote this and then I uh, I translated it into Spanish with Google Translate and then I went through it myself and then I also conscripted two of my Spanish-speaking friends to help with the translation to make sure that it all came across. <coughs> and um, I was up late last night. Oh, yeah, I'll do it like this. All right. <laughs> I was up late last night and... Um, I'll do it like this. That's the name of the podcast this week. I'll do it like this. Do it like this. Yup. Um, so uh, I was up late last night messaging my friends, one of whom is in Colombia and one of whom is in Melbourne, messaging them and uh, saying, hey, can you help me translate this? And one of my friends especially was up with me at the same time for about an hour going through various phrases and arguing over meanings and it's really hard to translate especially like certain phrases that were kind of poetic that I put in there that really feel like they carry a lot of meaning and what I wanted to say but he doesn't speak English well enough for me to say it to him so I had to translate it into Spanish and uh, and then I wrote it out in the notebook I pulled out a page and wrote it in Spanish like a letter and then the plan is I'm going to give it to him uh, sorry, I'm going to read it to him. I'm going to sit him down at the table and read it to him and then give it to him. And uh, <clears throat> this is the thing as well. Last time when I came, I assumed that it was going to be, you know, I'd get to the airport and see him and we'd hug and I'd cry. But like nothing happened. And uh, I realized as I was writing this, oh, man, I just, I had so many moments with myself. Like it's really monumental stuff. I grew up without the man who was supposed... I mean, you're going to hear in a second how it feels because I put everything that I've ever felt about it into this note. Um, but like, you know, as I was writing it in Spanish, I remember like I've been... I started learning Spanish when I was 20. Uh, just after I started doing stand-up, actually. And um, 
because I was going to Bolivia because I got this journalism internship for an English-speaking newspaper in Bolivia uh, to write for them. And so I, I was like, that was the only place that you could write in English. You didn't need to speak Spanish beforehand. And then as I was getting ready to leave, I started looking up a bit of Spanish stuff online and started learning. And then I got over there and I got a teacher and I had private lessons a couple of times a week and all of this stuff. And I just, I remembered like all the, you know, when I first started learning, when I didn't know anything and like being in this, being on like a, I had like a, a, a like a fucking 15 hour layover, I think it was in Buenos Aires. And I spoke literally not a word of, I think I could count to 10 and maybe like I was learning like a start and said, you know, and, uh, I was on this layover and there was no one else in the terminal, but there was a lady at the like little cafe counter or whatever. Cause that was like open for the whole night. And I was just there by myself at night on my laptop looking up Spanish stuff and trying to learn a few things. And then I would go over to the cafe lady and say a few things to her. Try and ask for some stuff, you know. Uh, uh, compro uh, cafe, you know, like nothing. I was fucking 20. <clears throat> and then I remembered like living in Bolivia and learning and all of the moments, like when you learn a language, like all of the little moments of little moments where you're like, oh, that's when I learned that thing or that was that mistake that I made or all of this stuff and um, just thinking about those 12 years and realizing that like I didn't even know that I was Colombian when I decided to go to Bolivia. I really didn't. I knew that I was had Latin American heritage. My mom told me when I was 10, but I chose to forget it because it was too painful to think about that I didn't have a dad, that my dad, you know, that he wasn't there. And so when it came to picking where I was going to do an internship, I saw this pamphlet at uni. I saw you could go, I knew I wanted to go to South America and I knew I wanted to learn Spanish. And then Bolivia was just the cheapest and the one that I could go to with the least resistance. And uh, <clears throat> I didn't, it was like when I was writing this thing last night, it was like I didn't even realize when I was 20 that the reason that I started learning Spanish and that I've kept learning it all these years is so that I could fucking say this shit. It's so that I could have the skill and the knowledge to be able to put into the words that I need, what I, what I need to say to this man who was supposed to be my dad. I really had that moment last night as I was sitting in the man's house in his spare room that he'd left there for me. And then like in the morning when I was transcribing it again and, um, yeah, he came in at one point because I, I hadn't left the room yet. It was like nine thirty, and I was just like writing in here and talking to another friend and just getting the last bits kind of ironed out. And, um, he came in and I had the piece of paper and I just like chucked it on the floor cause I didn't want him to see. <laughs> I was like, not yet. <laughs> it was like I was wanking or something, you know, it was like, you know, if you did raise me, we would have had this moment. <laughs> I also had a bit of that thought. Like if you, if you'd raise me, you would know to not just knock once and come barging in. Like, <laughs> You would have you would have walked in on me with my dick in my hand as a teenager enough times to know to give it a few <laughs> give it a few fucking moments, cunt. <laughs> Fuck, that's really funny. I hope I remember that. And uh, only not once.
So um, <clears throat> I go out there and uh, he's made breakfast and we eat breakfast and his wife's there. And then his wife leaves to go do whatever and it's just me and him and he's like, we're having a barbecue tomorrow. So he's like preparing the meat for the barbecue and I just kind of, I'm like, I know I have to do it. Like the shit's burning a hole in my pocket. I have this note. I got to sit him down and read it. And I was so scared. And you know what an interesting feeling that I've been feeling in the last few days as well is um, like when I wrote it, I sent it to a couple friends just like two of my closest friends first to be like, what do you reckon of this? Is this crazy? And um, both times when I sent it to them, I had this pang of guilt. Like this is too personal. This is too much to ask. And to be fair, I didn't really ask. I wasn't like, hey, can I lay something personal on you? I just kind of went, hey, I wrote this. <laughs> like maybe there's a better way to do it. But um, And even like, I just, I've been feeling a lot of guilt about what I had to say, you know, like I wrote the stuff that I wanted to say and it felt natural when I wrote it and it all poured out of me and it felt right. And then once it was written and I read back again and I, I, I sent it to a couple of friends and then like <clears throat> my mom, my mom asked how I am. So I was like, well, actually I've written this and I'm going to read it to Fernando tomorrow. And I sent it to her and, and as I was just thinking about it, I was like, do I, you know, um, is this too self-indulgent? Do I deserve to say this stuff? Is this really mine to say? Or like, is this, is this, do I need to say this? You know, am I just being a big baby caught up in the past and whatever? And I think because I've done enough therapy to know that that's my general kind of like emotional arc. I've decided fuck this and fuck all of those feelings. I'm just going to say it. So anyway, this morning I had it in my pocket and I said, Hey mate, can you come in here and we got a chat? <coughs> and then I sat down with him and I said, look, just, you know, it's a bit serious what I'm about to say. And, uh, I unfolded my piece of paper and I said the following in Spanish. So it was a lot more disjointed. I said, Fernando, Thank you for inviting me again into your home. I hope you'll forgive me for reading this off of a page. I need to organize my thoughts if I'm going to say what I need to say. Before I do, I want you to know that I appreciate your continued openness and patience in our relationship. I'm only taking the time now to say these things to you because I believe that you are a good man and because you want to hear me. Firstly, I'm angry. I've been angry at you my whole life. My mom told me about you when I was 10 years old. She showed, me, she showed me a photo and a set of pan pipes you made. But even before then, kids would comment on my brown skin and ask me where I came from. I never knew what to tell them. I knew that my dad, Derek, was, my only father, was only my father by adoption. And because of that, I always had a sense that the man who should have been my father was somewhere else. You were missing. My mum told me about how you went down to Buenos Aires after I was born to try and get a visa to come to Australia. She told me that you offered to return the money my grandparents sent you. I know that you tried to be in my life. The brutal truth is, and I really am sorry to say this, it wasn't enough. Maybe nothing would have been enough. I don't know. All I do know is that for my entire life, my skin and my history has been a constant reminder of the fact that you weren't there to teach me about the world that you brought me into and that has hurt me for as long as I can remember. I don't want to be angry anymore. 
I don't tell you this now to hurt you or to make you feel shame. I'd love to hear how you feel about all of this and we can talk about it as much as you'd like. But the reason I'm telling you this now is because I hope that in telling you, we can create the foundation of an honest and truthful relationship together. I'd love to hear about your family in Colombia, about your home, your parents and what it was like for you growing up. I'd even love to go back there with you and Miguel one day and we can f- if we can find a way to do it. Nothing can change the past and nothing can change the fact that I have a father who raised me and taught me how to be a man. But despite your absence from my life, Fernando, you too will always be a part of me. So while nothing will change the past, I am grateful that we still have the time now to create the future. I'd like to create a future with you in my life. Thank you for listening. Aiden. There it is. That's what I said to him, mate. And then he he said, stand up, and we hugged. And that was that was the hug. <clears throat> that was the hug that um, I thought I was going to get four years ago. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't know what that means going forward. I don't know what I want from the guy or whatever but I don't need to know but I've said everything that I needed to say to him so um yeah I did that this morning (laughs) and now I'm telling you guys less than 24 hours later (laughs) um but um man the thing that I've been thinking about doing a bit about this because I think this will go in the new show right the way I'm envisioning it is um those words on a screen cycling through the paragraphs as I play the final, like the Chopin's Nocturne in E flat major, the, um, as I play it through each of those paragraphs in both English and Spanish, I don't know why it just feels good. Um, so that'll be the kind of emotional climax of the show. And that'll be me saying a difficult thing to someone, you know, but before that, before that, I reckon um, I have this idea for, I mean, I, I, I just got to f- fucking try it. This other story happened on Sunday night and this is just a fucking, it's such a good story. <laughs> and I'm going to try and tell it now in as much detail as I can and, uh, and then I want to tell you what I did tonight. <laughs> it's really been, it's really been a fucking great few days, man. <laughs> oh my God. So <clears throat> on Saturday I had uh, booked a gig last minute in Paris. I wasn't going to do any gigs, but I messaged this page and he was like, Hey, the guy dropped out. So calm down. And I was like, yeah, sick. So I came down and I did a spot and there were a bunch of other American comics on the show. And one of them, the first thing I I met him and I was like, Oh yeah, you do the clubs in New York. And he was like, yeah, I do this club called the comedy seller. I was like, I get the, shut the fuck up. (laughs) I said it to him. I was just like, you act like I don't know the fucking comedy seller. (laughs) That was pretty cool. Um, they were all so sick, man. They're great, great dudes. 
Uh, and uh, one of them, Sam Talent, was a guy who I'd heard of because he just recently toured Australia. And I'd heard so many great things from people. And, and we all did our sets at this weird show. And, and um, you know, everyone did good. And then um, I guess I did, like, I did all right enough that they were all like, yeah, man, come with us, you know. Come with us. We've got another gig. And, um, and maybe we can even get you on. And so I go down to this other gig with them. And we're hanging out. And we end up hanging out all night. And we go for dinner at, like, midnight. And it was just a sick night hanging out with comics. I was like, man, I want to fucking, yes. I'm so glad to be here hanging out with comics. This is great. And I just love comics, man. Like, you know, I'm, fuck. I'm in Paris, whatever. I'm with my friends. Me and my friends had a sick time on Friday night hanging out, you know, just at this bar smoking darts and fucking me and my friend. Oh, my God. Me and my friend went and got chicken from this one joint. And the guy who I've been like pretty happy with my French actually and how it's like I can communicate reasonably effectively. It's nowhere near as good as my Spanish, but it's all right. And, um, you know, I'm going up to places and going, asking them questions and doing all this stuff. And we go to the chicken shop and I'm like, uh, puis-je prendre uh, trois wings? Because I see they had six wings there. I was like, can I get three? And the guy just starts rinsing me. He just goes, uh, you can have four wings, <laughs> quatre. Like he starts making fun of my accent. <laughs> tu peux prendre quatre? It's this fucking Indian-looking guy with the shittest beard I've ever seen in my life. And he's just... <laughs> just giving me so much shit. And my mate fucking lost it. Especially because my mate is French. And he always does this bit where he pretends to speak French with a bad accent. And I don't know if he does it with other people, but he always does it with me. And I fucking... It always makes me laugh. Um... So uh, he lost it and then we were just fucking losing it, trying to get this guy to say funny stuff. And I was like, il est très drôle, hein? <laughs> He's really funny. Um. Anyway, so, but yeah, Saturday night I go do this gig and then uh, Sunday I get another spot at the gig. So I, Sunday I had an open mic and then there's, there's two shows on this other show. So I had three sets on Sunday, which is great. And I'm not really running any new stuff. I'm just trying to fuck around. Have a bit of fun. I'm not working, you know. I'm just doing comedy. And uh, I have some fun on the shows. And then I, I, on the second show, I'm riffing with this guy who's got a nice shirt on. And I'm like, uh, well, you know what? Here's the, here's the fucking big ticket item in the story. I'm on the staircase after my set and Sam, one of the comics goes, yo, are you, did you hear about this Roman Polanski thing? I'm like, what? He goes, oh, we going to Roman Polanski's house for a party. You're coming. And I was just like, what? <laughs> He's like, Roman Polanski's son was in the last show and his mate, maybe it was the first show, whichever show it was. He was like, and his mate has invited us to a party at his house because his son still lives with his dad and his dad's not there, but his wife's there. And the kid, you know, he's like 25-year-old Roman Polanski's son lives in this house in Paris. And there's a party there and we're coming and we're doing it and we're rolling with a big crew and you're coming. And I was like, yeah, I'm fucking coming to Roman Polanski's house. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? 
And um, so we finish up the second show and then we've got, I reckon that we've got like 13 guys, no chicks. One of my other friends from Paris was there. He just showed up and we, he was going to come with another one of our mates, but then that mate pulled out because he was sick. So um, it was just one, uh, my French mate by himself. He didn't know anyone and I was like, you know, he didn't know anyone else there and his English isn't amazing. It's all right, but it's not incredible. And he was a fucking trooper. He came along. A bunch of these other French guys uh, who were like other comics from the local scene came along. Um, Sam and uh, his two openers came along. Fuck, I just forgot the other guy's fucking name. God damn it. It's Pat and... It's Pat and Nathan. Is it Nathan? I have to check. Nathan Lund. Nathan Lund. Nathan Lund. Is it Lund? Oh, fuck. Or is it Lunt? Or is it Jason Lunt? Oh, fuck. This is going to kill me. Nathan? Or is it Jason? Or (laughs) Or is it... Fuck! You know when you fucking forget a guy's name? What about that? Sam Talent. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Hey, didn't I follow this guy? Sam, follow. Why didn't I follow him? Anyway, whatever. His uh, his two openers came along as well. And some of their friends and whatever. There was like 13 of us. I hate that. I'm sorry that I just did that to you guys. Trying to remember some fucking cunt's name on my on my podcast. If the listeners aren't already low enough, you know, you could at least show... The people who do continue to persist with some level of respect. <laughs> God. So, um, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I kiss you on the mouth. <laughs> so we all go. <clears throat> I can't even remember my mate's name. All right. So can you fucking cut me some slack? <sighs> attacks the audience. All right. Um, we go to this joint and the guy who's taken us is like mates with, we're trying to even ascertain how, what level of friendship. Cause you know, we're going to fucking Roma Polanski's house for a party and there's a big group of us. Is it going to be chill that we're coming? Are there going to be too many hangers on? I don't know. Whatever. We're just, we're fucking doing it. So we go, and we're trying to figure out with this guy, man, he's this fucking American guy who's mates with the kid. He's like, he's just got the vibe about him, to be honest. It was great. Like, he just had a good, brings people together, everything's a party kind of vibe. Yeah, dude. He was that guy. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's just like, dude, we're just going there, man. So we're like, all right, at least this guy's kind of fun. And we get to the house and he puts the code in and then he's calling... Roman Polanski's son <laughs> to come up and uh, he's like, you got to come let us in. And then he lets us in. And then by this time, the friend of the son is smoking a cigarette as we walk into the house, which by the way, we've caught the Metro there and then we've got out and we're, we're like at the Arc de Triomphe and then we walk like one street up. It's like a street over from the Champs-Élysées. It's the street that like fucking Dior and like Armani and all of these shops are on. It's crazy. It's fucking crazy, this place. And so we're like, man, is this going to be the most pimped out party any of us have ever been to? 
and we get in the uh, escalators, or the, sorry, the lifts, and homeboy is smoking in the house, in the lift, whatever, and then we go, not up, we go down to level minus three, and it's like, all right, sure, and then and I'm in the first lift, I'm with the first lot of people, so I'm the first, you know, to see what this party's going to be, and we get out of the lift, and we go into the door, into what is only now and only ever will be a parking garage and there are five other guys there and one girl and that is the sum total of the people and there's a set of decks set up on like three chairs and that's the party that's it that's what we're doing and I just fucking lose it man I just laughing I fall on the floor I'm like this this is it. This is where we've come to. This is the place. This is Roman Polanski's parking garage underneath his house. <laughs> it was just so hilariously bad. And, um, you know, we settle into the idea that, like, this is what we're doing and everyone else comes down and they all see it. And one of the guys was clearly hoping to try and get laid at some point and he comes down and sees the thing and he's visibly <laughs> annoyed, <laughs> which was fucking awesome. Uh, and I mean, look, I wasn't, I, I wouldn't have been opposed to trying to talk to some women if it was the palatial Hollywood party <laughs> that I'd been imagining. But, you know, it wasn't. <laughs> so, um, the first thing I did at that party was I needed to pee. So I went upstairs to like there was we were on minus three so i went up to minus two and i was like i can't find anywhere to pee and i found a little drainage fucking drain so i just peed in that so that's pretty funny i peed it in roman polanski's parking garage and then um we just I, it's just kind of tacitly decided that we're staying so i end up meeting this roman polanski's son and um he takes me and my french friend up into the house because we're like we've got to get into this house so he takes me and my mate up there on the pretense of we're going to pee. And he's like, you can't be too loud because my mum's asleep. And I think he even said my dad's asleep. I think his son, his dad might've been there. I don't know, but his dad was supposedly just at the, the Milan film festival or some shit, whatever. But, uh, yeah, I go into the place. I did catch one picture of, uh, there was a poster from one of his films on the wall what was the poster? I actually can't read it. It's oh, Monkey Barrel. No, no, no. No, no, no. It is uh, Spoleto, 1974. Spoleto. Directed by Roman Polanski. Conducted by Christopher Keane. So I guess that's like a fucking... Like, oh, Lulu? I don't know. Whatever. Some fucking thing that he directed was there. And I was like, that's the photo. That's enough, you know. And I go down and I'm starting to kind of mingle with the people that we already knew and then the few people who were there. And I'm talking to Roman Polanski's son and I realized that when I was in the show that he was at, I did crowd work with him because he was wearing a funky shirt. And I was like, yo, sick shirt. And he was like, you too, man. And I was like, yeah, dope, dude. Should we swap? And he was like, yeah. And mate jokingly went to swap. And I was like, nah. But like actually though give me your fucking shirt. I started, I was like, how funny would it be if I just, if you came to a comedy show and then I just robbed you and I just took your shirt and you just left with no shirt. Um, 
And, uh, and I was like, where are you from? And he's like, I'm French Polish. And I was like, oh yeah, that's Polish. It means you probably got some kind of knife on you. Right. And that got a laugh fine. And, uh, and then, so for the, re- when we got down to the party, party for the whole night, he kept coming up to me. This dude was fucking high as shit. He was so high on Coke. And, uh, he kept coming up to me and standing, like grabbing me, like all cokeheads do and like getting right in my face and being like, I'm Polish and I definitely have a fucking knife. Ha 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 ha. And then just like laughing maniacally and slapping me on the back. Like, yeah, man, you and me. So that was pretty weird. And then, um, the other thing that he referenced in my set was I have a joke or I have a thing that I'm saying where the first time my dad saw me with a shaved head and a beard, he said, you look Muslim. And, uh, when we went up to the toilet, he let me go into one of the toilets and he just, before I went in, he went, don't steal anything. You fucking Muslim. (laughs) Which is like, whatever, it's fine. It's a joke, but like, that's crazy shit to say to someone, isn't it? (laughs) Uh, And it kind of felt like the whole, everything that we were doing there, you know, was like a bit, uh, I don't know if it was necessarily at the expense of this guy, but we, it was just like this, we all know this is very weird and we're just here for the story and we're not actually, you know, this isn't like a cool place to be or whatever, but it's like a funny thing. And we all just kept looking at each other, all of us just going like, this is funny, right? This is super funny that we're here and it's great. And, um, then at like one thirty, we got there at about midnight at about one thirty, I was like, I'm straight up just going, I don't know what else is supposed to happen here, but I need to leave. But I wanted to say bye to Sam because, you know, being the headliner, he was kind of like the, the, um, I mean, he was also the person who I'd heard of and met and it, he was just very welcoming the first night. And, um, yeah, it felt like we'd, we'd all kind of become friends, like Sam and Pat and oh, Jason, Nathan, fuck. A few of the other guys, Ray, another of the other comic from New York, you know, we'd become friends with these guys. We'd been hanging out. It was great. I wanted to say goodbye because I'm leaving the next day. But Sam had disappeared and uh, he'd been gone for like half an hour. And so we're looking for him and I'm like, I don't want to leave without saying goodbye, but like I'm fucking hungry and I want to go to McDonald's. Finally, after ages of looking, oh, by the way, they ordered Uber Eats beers for us. They ordered like 120 beers on Uber Eats, <laughs> which is super funny. <laughs> but I'm starting to get sick. I don't know. It's just like fucking rich kids, man. I don't know. It's kind of depressing. There was a 16-year-old kid playing the decks, and then there was like some 40-year-old guy there. Do you know what I mean? And I was just like, who are these people doing coke on a Sunday night? Like if you weren't Roman Polanski's son, I wouldn't be here. And that is kind of sad. And it made me feel sad for him. And then, uh, so I get back down and I'm going to leave and Sam's there and he's just like, uh, he goes, man, I just went upstairs and watched, uh, we were up there to pee. And then he goes, do you want to see some of my student films? And I was like, yeah. (laughs) And then he goes, we watched some of the films and they weren't good. And the whole time he was just doing lines and it was just like, I, you know what? I kind of feel bad actually saying that detail. I'm going to leave it in but because I can't be fucked editing, but I start the thing is, is I started to feel bad for this dude because as when I left and I was walking to McDonald's, I looked up Roman Polanski's Wikipedia page and read about his life, which I mean, I don't know if people know, I'm sure you do, but like he was accused of having sex with a 13 year old 
child in the 70s. And <clears throat> then, like, there's been a whole media thing around it. And I don't know. I don't I don't want to comment on the ins and outs of it. But it was a very, you know, there's heaps of stuff. And I just thought, oh, that's right. And then also his wife was killed by the Manson family in Hollywood in the 60s and his child. And, um, and now he's got this other kid who's 25 and that kid's, you know, and he's got two kids that he had when he was like in his 60s. And then like this kid in front of us, like, yeah, of course he's doing a bunch of coke, you know, like his dad's like this incredibly famous and now infamous and probably widely hated, but also loved and just really divisive figure in the art world. And is also an incredible artist, you know? And, uh, and also survived the Holocaust. And so probably has a bunch of trauma from that. And he's 65 and just like, Oh, imagine growing up with that, you know? And here I am fucking whinging about my dad. <laughs> Who's just like, wears a weird hat. <laughs> Man. And I think the idea for the bit that I want to do is like how weird, just the twos and fro's of life that I could one moment be like, you know, talking to this coked up kid and then the next moment in like in a fucking room in Vienna writing in Spanish. You know what? No, even as I say it, that's not coming out right. I don't know what the story is, but I think these two stories mean a lot together because that kid has it a lot harder than me, I reckon. <clears throat> and as much as it was funny, like the last thing that I got, and I'll put this video up as well, was uh, I put it on my stories the other day, but I'll fucking, I'll put it on the grid, mate. I got a video of um, Sam Talent pushing around uh, Elvis um, Polanski, son of Roman Polanski, in a shopping trolley in the F Polanski family's house's underground car park in central Paris. And then he gets out of the shopping trolley. He goes, he, he's pushing him around for a while. And, and he's, you know, clearly he's just like on coke. And then he goes, stop, I'm going to sue you. <laughs> and Sam just laughs and stops the trolley. And then he gets out and he walks up to me and he goes, are you filming? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I'm fucking Polish and I definitely have a fucking knife. <laughs> <laughs> it was just it was perfect man <laughs> oh god so yeah that's what's happened to me in the last couple of days um just tonight i'll t do i want to tell this story oh well fucking here it is um just tonight I, uh, I guess I've noticed, you know what I've been, I've seen sex workers twice in like the last year or so. And once was the week after my girlfriend and I split up in May and once was tonight. And I, what I've noticed is that it just is a thing that I, I think more seriously about doing it when I, um, and I don't, I don't like that I do it. I'm ashamed of it. But I think more seriously about doing it 
in moments of intense emotional stress or pressure or just emotion generally. And today was emotional and when me and my girlfriend broke up was emotional as well. And all the other times that I've thought about it, I've thought about it a bunch and not done it, you know. And um, yeah, I don't know why. Just, I mean, it's a big moment. I think, yeah, whatever. It's just a way to, I guess, relieve stress and emotional tension and but it kind of feeds a part of myself that I don't like, that I don't like feeding, that I don't like that it's there and I'd like to expunge it. I don't know if that's possible. It's probably stuff to talk about with my therapist, to be honest, rather than you guys. But anyway, I did that tonight. I went to a massage place and I got a massage with a happy ending and, you know, I did it, whatever. And I'm walking down the street and I I told Fernando that I was going to be home a bit later. Um, I just said I was going to find a place and read my book. And then I intended on doing that. I was like, you know what? I am going to do that. And I found an Irish pub and I'm walking back through Vienna and I'm like, let me sit there for like an hour and then, you know, I'll get a beer and then I'll get the train back to the house. And out the front, there's a sign that says stand up comedy, 8 p.m. Tuesdays. And I look at my watch and it is 9.30. I remembered that when I went to the Robin Tug place, it was like 10 past eight. So I was like, I reckon this show's still going to be going and I can hear comedy. And I walk up and there it is. There's a little show. There's like 15 people watching. And I see the guy who's emceeing and I call him over and I'm like, hey, dude, I'm a comedian. I've been going 12 years. I'm from Australia. Can I do a set? And he's just like, yeah, all right. And I go on and I do a set. And uh, I opened with a joke that I shouldn't have opened with. It's not that strong. It's old, whatever. It's from the special. I don't believe in it anymore. But then I did the joke about my mate who lost a finger, which is just a good opener. And I got some laughs. And that took me about three minutes and I had five minutes and I got the laughs and I thought I had more time than I had classic, but I uh, got the laughs and then I just went, you know what, guys, the reason that I'm here is because my biological father is Colombian. He lives in Vienna and I've come to meet him for the second time in my life this week. And I just did today and I read him a whole letter of all the stuff. I basically just told him about my night and then I went, fucking, and you know what? The reason I'm here is because I've been under a lot of stress and I don't drink anymore and I fucking don't have any way to relieve it. So I just went to a massage parlor and I got out literally 10 minutes ago. I got some lady to jerk me off, <laughs> paid her money for it. And I was walking down the street and I saw stand up comedy on the street as a sign and I walked in here and now I'm on stage. And everyone like got a got a laugh and it got a big round of applause. And you know what? I wanted to do more time after that, but I ended that bit of the story. I ended it with like, and now I'm here. Hey, nice to meet you. And uh, when I said nice to meet you, I think they thought that that was the end of my set and they clapped in a way that told me that they thought it was the end of my set. So I just got off. So yeah, I reckon that's it. I reckon that's the podcast. It was great. I hung out for another hour and a half, two hours, talking to people in the crowd, talking to other comics. It was sick. Really nice time. <sighs> yeah. That's the podcast, I reckon, for the week. Um, I know those two stories. They have to be able to go in the show. I'm going to be back in Melbourne. I'm fucking, I think I've got a gig on Sunday. So I guess it's time to start trying to write that as a bit of stand-up, hey? Because... Uh, I have two years to write this show and I reckon I'm going to have the basis of it down in, I don't know, six months, we'll say. That's a pretty arbitrary deadline, but let's give it a crack. All right. Anyway, that's me. 
I hope you guys are doing good. I really appreciate you listening. Any new listeners still clinging on, mate? If you're still here in another week, you're fucking hooked, mate. I got ya. <laughs> All right. I'll see you guys in a bit. Talk to you next week. This has been Aiden Jones sitting under a tree. Peace. Sorry, we're gonna take the rest of the finger off. <laughs> what a loser. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe I'm here. But I'm gonna do one more bit. Thank you so much. But like, literally, I was just walking down. I'll tell you why I'm in Vienna. My biological father, I met for the first time when I was 28, four years ago. He's Colombian, he lives in Vienna. It's a whole thing. Honestly, I have a special on Amazon where I talk about it. You can watch it after this. I'll give you the link if you want. It's too long of a story. But this is the second time ever in my life that I've met him uh, today. And I wrote a letter to tell him all the shit in my childhood of like, you were never there and my brown skin and kids used to ask me and blah, blah, blah. And then I translated it into Spanish because the motherfucker doesn't speak English. He speaks Spanish and German. And when he speaks English, he speaks in a German accent. He's like, Pat is the pub, but he's like got a big Colombian hat and brown skin. It's fucked, right? And so I was up last night in his house with his wife named Felicitas, and, uh, and I'm in his house talking about like trying to get my friends, my Colombian friends in Australia to translate this with me into Spanish so I could read it to him. And I read it to him today. And then, you know what? I'm going to tell you guys 100% of the truth of what I just did. I have... Oh, fuck it. This is stand-up comedy, brother. I, um, <laughs> I'm not very good at, like, intimacy. And I'm, I quit drinking four years ago because I had a drinking problem. And so I don't have a lot of ways to release. So literally, about 10 minutes ago, I went to a massage parlor and got a massage and got the lady to jerk me off because it's been really emotionally intense right now to talk to my biological dad for the first time. And I don't drink and I needed a way to release that tension. And then I saw stand-up comedy on the street. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? That's the only way I know how to relate to people. So fucking let's go. Nice to meet you. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you.